0: So today we're going to be talking about business, financial, and legal planning amidst COVID-19. And this is a very important thing because we are in really unprecedented times for and business and financial or sorry, business financial and legal planning amidst COVID-19. You know, we haven't gone through something like this really in over a hundred years. And even then it wasn't anywhere similar to COVID-19. So Matt and and Rob have kindly um, offered to, you know, offer their expertise. Um, in the financial realm and in the legal realm to, you know, how we can plan our businesses around being successful in in this time. So what we're going to do is um, let's start out with some intros. So um, first we have Matthew Holden. So he's a partner at Holden Legal Group, um, a New Jersey and New York City law firm focused on business and real estate law. And then we have Rob DePalo, uh, the director of business planning at National Financial Network. So uh, I'd like to each of Matt and Rob, Matt, first, why don't you share a little bit more about your bio and
1: background? Sure. Happy to. Um, so I started um, with a background in investment banking at Lehman Brothers um, prior to practicing law. Um, I have a finance degree from uh, Emory University, the Quazetta School of Business at Emory University in Atlanta. Um, I then attended uh, the University of Miami School of Law and went directly to Skadden, NARP, Slate, Mar, and Flam, where I was an associate and practiced in their um, corporate department. I did a lot having to do with corporate and securities law, specifically structured finance law. Um, and right before the financial crisis in 2008, I founded, um, I left. Um, and and then founded uh, my law firm. So we've been in uh, practice now for um, over ten years. I guess it's now uh, eleven years. Actually, uh, we have uh, two other partners and some power equals. And we have two offices here in New Jersey: one in Hackensack and one in uh, Midtown Manhattan. Although we haven't been there uh, in Manhattan since um, the beginning of COVID nineteen. And I'll toss it over to Rob.
2: Perfect. So how are you doing? How's everyone doing today? Um, Rob DiPaolo, the Director of Business Planning for National Financial Network. So National Financial Network is a boutique boutique financial advisory firm that's been around since 1967. We have over 100 advisors across the tri-state area and Boston. My personal background, I've been in financial services for about 15 years. Um, Aside from being a financial advisor and focusing on the business world, I'm also an admitted attorney in New York. Went to Hofstra University for undergrad, where I got a BBA in finance, as well as graduating from Hofstra Law. Um, So a lot of my background focuses around the business and corporate world and planning for high net worth individuals and business owners. Um, My legal background before I focused on Finance was in the compliance realm of helping businesses with uh, FINRA, SEC compliance and just business overview of being compliant with um, state and federal laws Which then transitioned into my role as helping as a planner in this world. That's pretty much my Five-minute snippet.
0: Awesome. So thanks for that. Uh, Excited to have both of your expertise today for sure Um, so why don't you guys start out, kind of sharing a little bit more about why clients you both work with um, were better situated for this COVID nineteen situation?
1: Sure. So um, most of our clients um, that that we've spoken with and dealt with and had a relationship with had a team in place. Um, they work with us as their uh, legal counsel they had an accountant they had a financial advisor um, they had specific planning documents in place um, as you can see from the screen uh, some of those might have been employment agreements and operating agreement shareholders agreements um, they had their leases reviewed um, or had us work on possibly the purchase of their corporate real estate um, More importantly, because they had this team situated, whether they worked with us as their legal counsel and then Rob as a financial advisor um, and then a separate accountant, they knew who to contact and get their team together so that when government assistance became available during this uncertain time, they were able to tap into the EIDL, Economic uh, Injury Disaster Loan, as well as the PPP the Paycheck Protection uh, Program, which came out on uh, April 3rd. Um, Both of these programs have been instrumental in helping a lot of small businesses. At first, there was a lot of um, publicity surrounding the PPP program and how a lot of very large publicly held companies had taken advantage of this when they shouldn't have, when money should have gone to smaller businesses, businesses that Rob and I help. Um, we had helped these businesses apply. We gave them guidance. And because we were in place, uh, we hit the ground running and advised them exactly how to um, get their documents in order, who to contact their payroll companies. I noticed we have a, a payroll company here joining us today. Um, and I'm sure they've been busy getting documents in, in order for their clients. Um, we've been on the phone working with payroll companies and um, and healthcare providers as well, getting premium reports for clients so that we can explain exactly what um, costs are reimbursable under these plans.
0: Definitely, awesome. So now let's go over a little bit more of the results of being better prepared. Oh. So just kind of extend off that.
2: So really, really to expand on that is, as many business owners had, they ended up into a quandary or not knowing where to turn when it came out. Because when the EIDL came out, when the PPP came out, a lot of times they had issues with banks, issues with other people because they couldn't get their docs quick enough or they couldn't get their docs together. So their lack of confidence in their plan or what they're doing led to a lot of miscommunication with clients and other issues. So one of the things working with us and working with the team structure that we've used with our clients that have had successful results is, everyone was on the same page. If something happened, it became, in all hands, meaning a quick touch point saying, hey, we have to fill out the PPP loan, who has what docs, who knew what to turn to get what. And the team environment maintained a level of confidence because by the business owner being confident, it conveyed that confidence to employees, which gave them a sense of security and confidence as well to help move things along forward. and. Being connected to the to the network that we had, that you had three heads versus one working on this, um, it usually led to quicker funding to know the right channels to go to and making sure that the paperwork was in order. Many business owners got rejected for their PPP loans when it went dried right out of money the first time because they didn't have the paperwork in order, because they didn't know where to turn, because they didn't know how to fill things out, which we helped eliminate a lot of that. Now, the other part of that is people didn't know how much money they needed or what they needed the money for. So aside from just getting the government aid, which was very nice, we helped people figure out what they actually needed to survive to give them confidence in their business if they didn't receive government aid or didn't receive the money from the government. Because the would have, could have, should have of what happened is not productive. But being able to assess in the moment and really drive a plan to move forward with is why we got better results with a lot of our clients because they knew what they needed and they knew how to drive to the result. Exactly. It's so true. It's so important
0: to have that plan going forward. And I mean, in years prior to this, we would always uh, talk about how it's so important to have a plan. And sometimes people just kind of knock it off as oh, it's not going to happen to me. But my grandpa's favorite saying that I think goes along with this is, um, prior pan- planning prevents pissed poor performance. <laughs> it's a mouthful, but I think that goes along with, Rob, what you were saying in that. It really is important to have that, that plan to be sure. successful. Perfect. All right, so now we'll get into what does a good plan exactly entail? So we have that preparation now, we wanna make that plan, what does that entail?
2: So what we've done in the past to get to COVID, to get to where we are, really, we can't look backwards. We can't judge yesterday because, again, Monday morning quarterback could have would have changed everything. We have to make sure a good planning has three components. It has clarity, it has security, and has guidance. Because when people don't have set guidelines and they start having to figure things out in a panic mode, it never leads to the right decision. So by having clarity and knowing what steps need to be taken and knowing where the barometers are, Leads that security and that confidence to execute. So now that we've reached a point that COVID is getting past us and we're getting into this new norm, how do your prior goals and operations align with what you have to do now? What changes do you have to make? Do you have flexibility in your plan for pivots that you have to make? Restaurants that might not be able to open to have tables inside, are you open for outdoor seating? Are you adjusting your overhead expenses to align with what needs to be done? And are you building in reserves? Because, so as we know, cash is king. Having money on hand really leads to being the ability to have confidence. And how does that really align with what we're doing, what you are doing going forward?
0: Exactly. And we would have never known even a, a year ago um, or, or months ago that only outdoor seating would be available. I know Fairfield County, Connecticut today opened restaurants for outdoor seating. Maybe Bergen County will follow suit soon. So it's really about... Having that good plan, and as, as Rob was saying, you know, having knowing the cash is king and being able to roll with the punches is is really important. Mm-hmm. So um, now, in terms of speaking about, are you protected for that worst case scenario? Um, so we've made the plan. We've know that we want to prepare. Now, how do we make sure that we're protected for that worst case scenario?
1: So it it sort of ties back to the first thing I was talking about, having your your team in place and making sure that, all right, we've talked about the plan. There were a lot of people who talked to um, the two of us previously, and and we've had a lot of conversations, and it's funny about how um, those conversations were put off until COVID-19 hit, and nobody ever put those plans into motion, meaning they never had us draft whatever documents were necessary what documents am i talking about so if you're a business owner um it, it could be as as easy as a buy sell agreement okay what is a buy sell agreement it well it is a living breathing document for a business owner or partners uh what happens in the event that you want to sell the business what happens if a biz- one of the partners becomes disabled or Passes away. What happens um, in the event that one of those business owners passes away is their insurance that covers that business owner. Um, So, just like for the business, we have to think about estate planning for individuals. And there are plenty of individuals who are in businesses that we counsel that come to us on the individual side and say, Hey, we need to get our estates in order. Um, We have to talk to you about. Our last and testament, we want to talk to you about healthcare proxy. We need a general durable power of attorney. How do we handle this? And by the way, we need life insurance. And of course, Rob is here to talk about the life insurance piece of this. I, I don't handle that. Our firm doesn't handle that. But these are conversations that we need to discuss as well as how are the accounts for Um, your bank accounts? How are the titles of those accounts currently drafted? What about the real estate that you deal with? I mean, we're a real estate firm um, that deals with the purchase of commercial as well as residential real estate. Is it being purchased in individual name? Is it being purchased in joint name? Um, Are you buying it in an LLC? How Are are we buying it in trust? Um, How are we setting this up for your beneficiaries going forward these are plans that need to be discussed and thought through in the event of worst case scenario yeah. so those are the plans we need to have a
2: conversation around definitely and there, and there are definitely some points you have to add there like i had one client something you would never think happened is they had their bank accounts titled with two signers both signers became unavailable due to COVID and other personal situations which froze up the business bank accounts until they found a way to get access to them. Mm -hmm. So do you have that backup plan? Do you have that what if covered and really knowing when things hit the fan, are you prepared to know what comes first, knowing that there are going to be some lack of a better word casualties in your business that you're going to have to plan through? Yeah. Can Can I just add one more
1: thing? There there are individuals as well as businesses that have safety deposit boxes, okay? If there is only one individual that's a signer on that safety deposit box and that individual passes away, there's no way to get into that safety deposit box. So what do we do in that instance? It's always best to put the name on that safety deposit box in the name of a business that has multiple signers. So something to think about, something to talk about. How, How are we handling a safety deposit box? Um, especially in this type of instance with the COVID-19 pandemic.
0: Definitely. And I think something to think about that both um, Matt and Rob have touched on is that a lot of the scenarios that we're preparing for right now are what-ifs because we wouldn't have known about these worst-case scenarios, but having these these things in plan, like having multiple people being able to sign, things like that, that can help you prepare for whatever is going to come since we don't really know how things are going to go. So next, what we're going to talk about is: Are you reassessing for your retirement or your eventual exit from the business? Uh, a lot of times, we become so entrenched in what we're doing right now that it becomes hard to look look out several years in advance and think about: Okay, what's going to happen when I retire? What if I want to exit from the business? You want to have plans in place and protocols um, to to cover that.
2: So, building on the reassessment, right now the government is giving a lot of aid with loans with different extra unemployment credits and things like that. But we know that the more money the government gives out, the more forgiveness they get. There's no free lunch. The more the government's giving us today, some way they're going to have to recoup. Yes, on the loans, there's going to be interest. Yes, on a part of it, on the ELDI, they're going to recoup. But when it comes to the PPP and other pieces that they're forgiving and the extra unemployment when they're giving out, where is the government recouping that? Lost tolls. Like one of the things I heard yesterday was, lost tolls from people not commuting to work, lost revenue in different areas. How does the government recoup that money? Taxes will most likely have up at some point. And when we're reassessing our plan today, how do things look going forward when taxes are probably going to go up at some point in the future? How is it going to affect your eventual sale of your business? How is it going to affect your eventual retirement? Where's your money today? Are you reevaluating your assets to see how you can mitigate some of that tax exposure today to eliminate that what if. And, again, how does it affect your holdings? Like, if you're a business in a position that it's in a rapid growth mode, is there a way to take advantage of some of this dip to transfer assets before they become a liability? Especially if Trump's estate tax law sunsets and Democrats increase the estate tax.
1: All good points. All good points.
2: Really
0: okay. good. Um, so it's a, you know a lot of important things to consider. I, I think especially during these times, having all your eggs in one basket. Um, one good example of that is Uber. So Uber, because they diversified their business and they added Uber Eats. Um, they're obviously their main business. Uber is is suffering because people are not going places. But they have the Uber Eats um, that you know, in some sense, is offsetting some of those losses. Um, obviously, on a, a you know, for the businesses we're talking about, this is on a smaller scale. But it's just it really makes you think, you know, how diversified are your holdings? What assets do you have in your business? But also, are all your eggs for your business in one basket? You know, that's something to think about. Do you have diversified service offerings? Um, you know, is your business COVID proof? Um, You know, what can you add or think about to to see how you're, you know, you can add value and and become agile to to survive this kind of new world that we're living in. So some other important items here, um, just in terms of like interest rates, exit
1: plans and things like that. So, you know, something we want to touch on um, rates are historic lows. Um, they were actually even lower right as COVID-19 was, was touching a lot. Um, what we should really point out is that if you want to take advantage of making asset transfers, um, pricing has never been better, um, especially in the stock market. Um, we did suffer a major correction, although the market has again corrected. It's come off of its lows. Um, there is a, a, a way to gift, and you know we can do that. Um, our firm, um, one of our partners, is, is a, uh, specializes in tax and um, estate planning and can help with um, taking advantage of these situations. A crisis while horrible in certain ways, um, it can also be useful. And, and this is one of the ways we can make use of it um, to benefit uh, uh, your beneficiaries going forward. So um, that's one thing to think about. Uh, working off of that, you, you know the other important items to think about are exit plans. I touched on um, a buy-sell agreement for, for businesses, um, this is basically a will for the business and what happens, um, when you want to get out, uh, when you want to retire, how are we going to value the business? If a partner wants to get out, how are we going to value the business? Do we look at the last quarter, the last, um, fiscal year? Um, is there a certificate of, of monetary value? Does an accounting firm come in and look at it? Do we get a valuation firm? Look at it. How do we monetize the value of that business and make sure that each partner um, gets their money out of it? I mean, this is something that uh, all partners have been working towards for the better part of their life. Um, and how long is it going to take? So, th- these are all important aspects to think about and um, take the time, especially while we have, I mean, some people have some downtime. Uh, not all of us do because we're probably all peddling like crazy to keep our businesses afloat. Um, but uh, th- that's why we're um, doing the presentation.
2: And a lot of points to even build on that is some of our businesses, there's key employees that generate 20%, 30 40% of our revenue. Do we have protections in place? God forbid they went down. One of these things we learned is Worst case scenario could be a lot worse than what we were, what a lot of people were planning for pre COVID. No one expected that their entire sales force could go down, and things like that of this nature really affected a lot of different things. So to get back to capitalizing the low interest rate, transferring assets, interfamily loans, and things like that, there are things we could take advantage of now with lower justifiable interest rates to take off the estate balance sheet. which if you're in that category might be an interesting conversation. When it comes to monetizing your business, one of the big things is backup plan. If I can't sell my business for what I want, do I have enough things in place to either hang up the keys or take a lower price and still have the future that I want? Are we planning for all what-ifs or as many as possible? I know we're not going to cover them all, but it's always good to have one or two Backup options in place to know if I have to do something else, I'm still okay.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Right, a lot of things to consider here. Um, all right, so um, with that, or is there anything else that, um, matter of that, you want to add before we get to just Q and A? Yeah,
1: I think I think Rob really summed it up well. Um, I'm happy to take questions at this point. Yeah.
2: And basically, what is One thing I would add is. A lot of what we talked about is very broad stroke. So it might differ from each and every person. Right. That's the reason why we'd like to have more, we kept it very high level. So your specific situation might vary from somebody else on this call. So some of this might entail more personalized conversations, but this is very high level of the way we're thinking and the way we're approaching clients.
0: Exactly. So, does anyone have any any questions or things they wanna they wanna ask?
4: Hi, Katie. It's Jody. Hi. Hi. How are you? Oh, how are you? Good. Good. This was really fantastic and very time appropriate. Um, I appreciate everything that you guys were saying. I'm a CPA and I'm controller of a large demolition company in North Jersey, and we're we're hit hard, but we did get the PPP. Thank God we had all our ducks in. Um, in, in line, so that we were able to access the the money. But I'm wondering if you guys can touch upon the forgiveness part and what you foresee as being necessary requirements to to get through that process with the least amount of pain.
1: Sure. So, Rob, you want me to touch on it first? Yep. You can go dive, dive into it. No problem. So, Jody, thanks for your question. It's a great question. Um, on Monday, the SBA released, I believe it was an 11-page fillable PDF application um, for the loan forgiveness. Um, 75% of the loan, just to touch on this again, 75% of the, of the uh, I'll back up, 75% of the funds provided under the PPP must be used on payroll. That's number one. The um, document that the SBA provided allows you to put in the numbers that you have uh, for payroll to figure out very easily, at least they claim it's easy, um, whether or not you are using the money properly and whether or not you are going to be forgiven. The remaining 25% can be used on other forgivable items such as rent, utilities. Um, The question has come up, what are utilities? What what falls into these categories? Um, What can I use this for? And by the way, payroll also includes um, healthcare premiums. Um, You can use that on, uh, from what I understand, not just healthcare premiums, but dental premiums as well. So when you talk about the 75% and the 25%, you take this fillable PDF, you fill in your numbers, much like what you used in order to apply for the PPP in the first place. And so long as you are using your funds, as you set forth, you were going to use them in the first place, it should be forgivable. Now, whether that's the case, remains to be seen. I, you know, I have not plugged in a client's numbers yet since it just came out, but it should be fairly straightforward. I looked at the form. I read the form. It st- it seems to conform with, um, what the SBA put forth in, in their latest, um, I'll call it amendment, um, regarding what you can use the funds for. Rob, if if you'd like to add the one anything.
2: thing the one thing I would add to that is Yeah. Documentation, documentation, documentation. Correct. Right. The right. biggest thing which people have to get used to doing right now is documenting every dollar that they're doing. Right.
4: Right. Rob, so what, what do you suggest in the form of documentation with regard to payroll? Are they going to request do you think I didn't read the document, I know the document came out. Um Do you think that they're going to be asking for documentation such as payroll tax returns, um, canceled checks, all of the above?
2: So all the reports that your payroll company would provide, I would keep handy. All the bank transfers, I would keep handy. All of those items, I know the payroll company, I know Don's with Paylossi, who's a major payroll provider. I know they're preparing for Preparation to make sure that those reports are ready so that they could provide the valid backup for it. Right. We have a date
1: range for it that actually provides when you got the loan and what it was used for for payroll.
4: Yeah. We actually use PayLocity. That's funny that you're on.
1: There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Jody.
4: Hi. Um, sorry, I'm eating my lunch. I didn't want to subject you guys to, to the site. Um, but okay, very good. Thank you so much, guys.
1: No, you're welcome. Thanks, Hi. Jody.
3: Can I add something to that? Because a lot of um, what I'm hearing from my clients is, mm-hmm. you know, what if I don't use all of the 75%? And there's a proration that's available that people should be aware of. Um, you know, this is, is theoretically non tower expenses that are not deductible, so it's going to increase your income. But we're also seeing from my clients the following, I mean, a couple of them have created spreadsheets, Literally, what you're spending on a daily basis to make sure you get to that 75%. Right. Health insurance, um, 401k contributions for the period, anything that would be payroll related, you got to put it in there. So it's really important to track that stuff. Right. So and that. To
2: add on that point, yeah, the money that's not forgiven is going to be put into a two year amortization to pay back at 1%. You have to remember, right. Correct. If you didn't get it all forgiven. Right. Uh, I have a
5: question with regards to um, just the uh, idea. I know that they kept on extending the uh, deadline for the return of funds from those maybe overcapitalized or too liquid companies, large companies that mm-hmm. um, uh, decided they didn't need the loan after all. But mm-hmm. I'm still seeing a June 30th deadline for the ex- expense period that's going to be covered and I'm just wondering for people who may not because maybe they were in the second tranche of PPP um, they're not going to have a full eight-week period they may be just going through the process just getting the money back um they didn't want to be hired before they were sure that they were going to qualify for the PPP so now they only have six weeks left so is there do you think there'll be any adjustment will will the eight weeks definitely start from the day of the disbursement of the proceeds or will there be a june 30th hard deadline
1: no it's it's eight weeks from the date of disbursement it's 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 eight weeks from the date of disbursement regardless of of when you um when you get it my understanding is that you are going to have to rehire your employees By June 30th, because they expect that the distribution of funds will be no later than June 30th. So, if if there is a question about whether or not you're in that second tranche and you haven't received your distribution of, I'm sorry, there seems to be some feedback. Um, Okay, thank you. Um, If if there, and I want to articulate this properly if if someone was in that second tranche of ppp and let's say they haven't received the distribution of that of those funds until until let's say july 1 and they haven't hired they haven't rehired employees that were furloughed by june 30th then i think there's going to be a question about okay well i didn't hire back my employees because I didn't get my PPP disbursement until July 1, and I missed that cutoff date of June 30th. I shouldn't be held accountable, and I shouldn't be penalized. But I don't think the government is um, expecting that scenario to occur. I think they're expecting that all distributions or disbursements by banks in the second tranche are going to be made prior to that June 30th deadline. Rob, do do you
2: disagree? I agree. I think, I think they're anticipating it for to be even done before that. So I mm-hmm. think they set the June thirtieth deadline because they figured that they all funds would be dispersed by that point or exhausted.
5: Right. Right. And you say rehire, but um, there is there isn't a, um, a scenario where you can offer to rehire that can be rejected, and then you can hire new. Yes.
2: Correct. Right. Yes. Right. It's. Right. it's um, it's right. headcount, not actual person. Right. So if I have fired Don and hired Todd, as long as I have a body that equals that amount, I am good.
5: Yeah, I'll miss you, Don. The um, what about the idea? What about the Drop idea Don. of the um, establishing a separate account uh to cover these expenses uh related to this?
1: Excellent idea. Um, I you know, I I, I actually took. Um, a couple of seminars prior um, to the PPP being dispersed or or when it first started getting dispersed. And and that was um, recommended. Um, I've recommended it to some of my clients, if not all of my clients. And I think most of them have. I think it's an excellent way to track expenses. Um, And frankly, I'm not really sure how you would be able to track otherwise. I think it gets a little bit messy if you don't have a separate ledger, um, keeping track of, of you know, the money that's come in under PPP and then all the expenses
2: associated with that PPP grant. I agree and I, I believe when you plan for this, you have to remember there is the potential of an audit. So when I say as you make these disbursements, always think of it as if an auditor is going to be reviewing and can they follow what you're doing right todd did you want to add something no i
3: just we had customers uh clients rather that actually had savings accounts and basically dropped the savings accounts or cash money market accounts down to zero moved money around took the ppp money which ended up in their main account put it in the other account and now we're drawing it back to identify the expenses it's just keeping a paper trail. It's really all that it is, whether it's in a spreadsheet. But if you can follow the money in the bank statements, that's the way to do it. Um, the concern is that you're going to, there,
5: someone's going to come and look. You know, if one, like, other, one other idea I heard was about um, closing out, uh, uh, maybe doing a short payroll <clears throat> at the end, just in case it fell on an off period, just to make sure it was a clean break with regards to the expenses that were are going to be related to this program. So if you happen to have a biweekly or semi period um that falls, you know, this that straddles 7 through 9 or you know, so to so to speak, um or 8 through uh, 9 I guess I should say, is that it might be cleaner just to do a short payroll so the paperwork is is clean.
1: I I wouldn't disagree with I mean, what I would <clears throat> frankly what I would do, what I would suggest is um, Create another spreadsheet for yourself, similar to what you did in order to apply for the PPP, and figure out the number of payrolls that you're paying to each one of your employees. Um, include yourself in there if you're an employee, and uh, make sure you're including all of the payroll expenses as well. Whatever the state taxes are that you were able to include the first time around, um, and See how many payrolls that is and do the dates. Make sure you understand the dates that that you're going to see the withdrawals from the account and see when the account is going to drop to zero once the the balance goes down and how much will be left for the 25%. In other words, 75% to payroll costs, 25% to whatever else you're going to use it for, whether it's rent or utilities, or whatever else is left, and if there's a a shortfall, um, figure out where to make up that shortfall if you can. If it's an extra payroll, or a half a payroll, then, you know, lock it
2: in there. One of the big things which I've seen, people are prepaying their rent. Prepayment of rent counts into the 25%. Right. If you know you're going to have extra money to get it forgiven, and it falls within the ratio, prepay your rent. Because as we said, This is a situation where cash is king, and if you can free up cash by having prepaid rent from the forgiven money, it allows you other capital or extra room for other capital to be used with business operations. Right. That's right.
4: I have another quick question. Um, I understand that health insurance and vision insurance premiums can be added to the payroll costs. What about uh, employer portion uh, payroll tax?
1: um employer i so that's a very good question it's all go ahead sorry
3: it's it's all payroll costs that's included the new 941s there's no other cpas on this on this and i'm not a practicing cpa but i'm following the new 941s that are going to be coming out um there's 15 or 17 new lines it's all interrelated in terms of some of that's going to be credited some of that's not and don you could probably speak more to this than i could but i and i don't know how much you've done it because they're not final forms i looked at them and i put them on the side i'm not worrying about things that are not quote unquote solid and and enacted but it's it all plays into it jody thank
4: you
1: can i can i ask something now? I, I find that to be a very interesting question, because in calculating the uh, PPP, we weren't allowed to use those figures. Um, you could only use the state portion. Of, that's correct. Uh, I believe what the employer... I believe that's correct. Okay. But if if you use the employer portion going out, that seems to gross it up a little bit more so unless i'm wrong am i getting that wrong i mean it seems seems going in you you were calculating it so you got a smaller amount but on the on the uh expense side if you include the employer portion that would seem to increase the amount that you are able to expense am i making sense
4: Yes, you are. And that,
1: that's, okay. that's my point. Yeah. yeah. So, so I'm, I'm slightly concerned that if you, and now it's not clear to me, I'm, I'm only trying to make it equal on both sides. Now, I'm not an accountant, but the way I, the, the way I read it was that you had to, whatever went in has to come out. So, you know, I, I wanted to um, I just wanted to make that point.
3: I, I, Matt, you are absolutely correct. I just googled it because why not? The employer federal payroll taxes, FICA Medicare, imposed on the gross payroll are not eligible for payroll costs for the loan forgiveness calculation.
1: right. So that's my concern.
3: there's also but there's a bunch of credits on the nine forty one there was a lot of different things that that playing into this. so we again, it's it's we don't really
1: know right, right. it's i I have to tell you, I think. The, the audit piece of this is going to be huge um, to Rob's point, to everybody's point. I think they're going to look at all the paperwork, but I, I really think that the um, SBA is going to spend an, an incredible amount of time on the $2 million loans and, and higher and probably spend less time because I don't think they have the manpower. And this is just speculation. I don't know this for a fact but I think they're gonna spend a lot less time on the much smaller loans. Um, not to say that you should not be as careful as possible with your paperwork and with what you're doing, but um, I, you know, I, I think the smaller guys might slink through and the bigger guys are gonna have a much tougher time. That's just a general comment.
4: So I'm looking at the uh, that document that was uh, distributed from the SBA you know, prior to this document, I think there was a lot of information left up to interpretations by many different people. And I was on the AICPA website. I was, you know, looking at everyone's interpretation, but really, you know, we're in the middle of it and we don't really understand how the forgiveness works, which is, you know, the whole goal, right? If, if we're getting this money, we, we want it to be forgiven. So right. I just um, opened up the document and It very clearly states that the non-cash compensation payroll costs that can be included is the employer contributions for health, employee health insurance, Mm -hmm. employer contributions to employee retirement plans, and the employer, state, and local taxes assessed on employee compensation. So it's very clearly stated here. And like Rob said earlier, I think it's gonna come down to the documentation Right. Of um, you know what we're what we were able to have to to substantiate what we're you know asking for forgiveness for.
1: Right. There's also right. the seventy two hundred form <clears throat> advanced payment for employee employer credits.
3: Forgot
0: <clears throat> right about that. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely, there's a lot to consider here, and a, and a lot going on. Um, any other? You know, questions before we kind of wrap things up. Cool. Well, I think today was a great discussion, and I'm happy to have everyone on.
3: Thanks,
1: Thanks everyone.
4: Thanks, Thanks so much. much. It was a great discussion.
1: Thank Bye. you for you guys. You.
3: Great information. Appreciate it. Thanks for putting
1: this together. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you.
3: Thank you.